Hello, and welcome to Listener Questions, the longest-running A Game of Thrones LCG podcast, coming at you live from the Civil Defence Shack in the remote Alkali Flats of the Springfield Badlands. I am your regular host, James Ormsley, and I am joined by my special guest host, Colin Weir. Say hi, Colin. Hello. And our question this episode comes from Rabs, and it is, how Imri is a super threat to close games? Closing games cards slash mechanics? Um, so I guess we can sort of extrapolate this to what cards and mechanics represent abilities to close games and how Imri is a great example of those sorts of cards. Um, if you want to take it in a different direction, feel free to, of course. Um, but yeah, Colin, how Emery is a super threat to close games, closing games, cards, slash mechanics. All right, so I'm going to do that um, annoying uh, academic thing where you, when you take a question, you start with, well, let's decompose the question. What is closing games? And so because I, I, when I was thinking about this, I kind of came up with three broad categories of closers. And, and I'm pleased to hear that because I came up with others. two, so I want to see which ah. one you came up with that I didn't. <laughs> All right, so well, maybe maybe um, between us we have five different ones. I don't know, but maybe well we will see. So the the three sort of categories I came up with, um, and I, I'll say cards could probably flip between these categories a little bit depending. But so the first one I have was rush decks. Uh, you know that extra little boost to get you to fifteen power. It's usually not something overwhelming, but you know a, a superior claim or a Lady Sansa's Rose just to get that extra two or three power to hit fifteen and win the game. Um, that's kind of the most straightforward example of a, of a closer. Um, the second category I had was little C combo. Uh, not, not big C combo, little C combo decks, which what I include, so one of the best examples lately is, uh, I mean, Voltron decks normally fit into this, so like Barracohor, you know, with the Zora High and, and Fast Bob. And so your finisher might be a Zora High. Usually once... Once that hits the table, you know, you have a lot of times that's the turn that they win or maybe, you know, maybe one more turn. Um, but that's kind of the finisher is once that gets down, then it becomes a very quick win after that. And the third category I have um, is a little, a little different. It's for the control decks. And so it's kind of the cards you use to win the game after you've, you know, established your control. Um, not all control decks run a finisher. Of course, the great, great example of a deck that doesn't really is, is Builders. Um, it's really more of a clock, you know, the wall. Um, but a good example of a control deck, or at least the, sometimes a control deck that does run a finisher would be a Martell deck with the Doran's game, you know. You control the board, slow things down, and then you try to hit the Doran's game at the end that puts you across the 15. Um, so those were sort of the categories, the, the three types I came up with. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. That's interesting, because I guess ultimately one of my two is sort of encompassing all of the ones that you've said. Ah. Um, so I figured that all closing strategies are either involving something that in some way facilitates the fast gain of a lot of power, um, and the other one is the ability to mill an opponent out. Ah, yes. Um, basically, yeah, in some way, having a way to very suddenly and rapidly approach your win condition. Um, and if a deck doesn't have either of those, then I sort of 
categorize it as a deck that's just designed to win eventually. You know, it'll just win through having power gain unopposed, maybe renown on the odd character here and there. Or in the case of the wall, as you say, you know, it's just putting a clock on the game and looking to win, you know, you know to stop the opponent winning before it just naturally wins from its passive power. Right. It, I guess there is a lot of value, as you say, from subdividing that first option into the different ways in which you can facilitate the first gain of a lot of power. Um, so I guess I find it a little interesting that you listed small C combo as an example, but you didn't list hard C combo. Uh, yes. Because I'd say one of the perfect examples of a, a deck designed to have a closing mechanic would be a hard C combo where it's going for that one turn kill style of approach. That is very true. Um, yeah, I mean, it is. It's, it, I, in fact, really, it's probably the ultimate example of a closing yeah. game, right? <laughs> Um, and so I think that's actually kind of why I didn't include it. Uh, I mean, it, you're right. It should probably have been included for the sake of completeness, but in terms of what's to talk about, uh, at least in... I, I completely appreciate not wanting to talk about <laughs> right. one-turn kill combo decks. But you're right. That is that is sort of the, the Ur finisher, right? The, the default, you know, the best example is when you trigger it and it goes off and then it's, it's over. But no, I mean, I think it's definitely true that I think looking at those combo decks, you can kind of see. I mean, they're 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 sort of the finisher idea taken to the extreme. Uh, most of them. I mean, some of them, like the the sort of mythical uh, Dornishman deck that won in marshalling, is maybe a little different. But but the, the the combo decks that actually saw play: Big Brienne, Hyper Viper, the Cersei, and uh, and the the ladies deck. I mean, they're all they're all just essentially taking finishing finishers and just you know kind of cranking cranking the value up and and having the answers you know having all the answers to the answers right and protecting their 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 finisher yeah so i think i mean actually i think that's that's probably a, a good actually an interesting uh way of jumping into the conversation because it's very it makes it very very clear what the finishers are in those decks you know even even though they may not be the most interesting decks to to play or to talk about, but for this, they very very clearly lay bare the idea of a finish. Yeah, and then I guess sort of like the step below that in terms of having clear and obvious finishes would be something like a knight's deck that tries to win on the tourney for the king turn, where you know it can just gradually accrue power in all the other turns through normal means, but then. It's playing that plot with the idea that it's going to win the game on that turn. And if it doesn't, then it's very vulnerable to, you know, resets and so on afterwards. So it's kind of like a softer example of those one-turn kill decks where it can win the game without ever playing Tawny for the King. And Tawny for the King alone won't win it the game. But it's clearly playing that with an idea of that's how it's going to win the game in most circumstances. Yes, certainly. Um, in fact... Tourney, tourney, so Tourney is a good example because it's, it's part of uh, kind of what intrigued me about this question because for the, for the brief time period where I was on uh, Team Tyrell for Thrones War before, you know, the world went mad, unfortunately, um, it, I, we were, I was playing around with a, a White Book deck that used Tourney and the stand from the White Book to try to accumulate a lot of power, sort of based off of a local Chicago you know, guy, AJ, he plays a lot of Martell sort of famous Martel, famously a Martel player, uh, 
but he was playing Doran's game with the side, the secondary finisher of to the Spears tourney. Um, and so obviously making multiple challenges with a lot of renowned bodies is a good way of finishing a game. And so, and so that, that, the fact that that sort of has been on my mind lately with the decks I've been building. And so that's kind of what attract part of what attracted me to this question. Um, and so I think tourney is another great example of a finisher. I mean, and you could see that in it's low gold high initiative. Um, again, you know, so it's a, it's another plot that you're going to play, like you said, to try to finish. And if you don't, a lot of times you're overextended and vulnerable. Yeah. And going back to what you said before, you've then got like the, the you know, the soft C combo where it sort of, it has that turn usually where it will accelerate what it's trying to do, but it doesn't sort of suddenly arrive at it. It, you know, it builds to it turn after turn. Um, I don't know how your experience has been, but for me, a deck that I've played against a lot has been Targ Valyrian Steel, where you know it will get Queen's Guard on a character or mercenary contract, and then it will use you know Silver Steed and just try and you know you, you know it'll flip a two claim plot. It'll wait until maybe you're both around six or seven power, and you'll think, oh, this is quite an even game. And then they'll flip you when you die. Have the Silver Steed do multiple power challenges with Renown, with Intimidate, and suddenly they've won, and you're like, well. Okay, I don't really know how that happened, but okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's actually the deck that I, I played at Worlds, um, not quite as successfully this year, but um, but it was it was uh, and it was very much a deck that yeah you could close off of six or seven power without really looking like it. I mean, but you had you know you built up some some board. You know, you had usually one or two of the renown attachments out, some bodies. And then, like you said, you flip that two claim. You you play a silver steed. You or a, uh, a queen's guard, obviously. Um, maybe you play the the fury and and for some extra claim with the the uh, you know the army. And and suddenly you're finishing off of um, six or seven power with with a couple of cards. And and that's a you know that's another good example. Like I, like I said, Voltron is sort of I think the the best best example, but or the easiest to look at example but that's a targ steel is another very good deck where you're not necessarily trying to assemble a set of specific cards you're just trying to assemble enough of the cards that make you win the game between the stand and the renown and the extra challenge you've almost sort of like got your deck divided into cards that will be you know the body that you then use to win the game with a bunch of cards that you'll then have interact with that body and then a bunch of cards to sort of let you play the game normally until you're ready to get into that closing position. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of summing it up. I guess one of the cards we probably should talk about is the one that Rab specifically mentioned in the question of Imri. Um, Indeed. And I guess what yes. separates him from the others, in my opinion at least, is that he doesn't sort of care what the rest of your deck is trying to do. Like you can build a deck that has no specific design on closing the game on a certain turn. It doesn't have to have a certain plot. It doesn't have to have certain characters out. It just happens that if you have Imri on the table and you get to, say, 10 power and you have enough locations in your deck, then you can just trigger Imri, get three unopposed challenges, power claim, dominance, and the game is suddenly over from seemingly nowhere. Yeah, so where I kind of put that was I had... 
to sort of branch off the second part of the, of the question, which was interesting closing mechanics. Um, and so I put him, I said there's sort of two categories of, of closing type cards. Uh, the ones we talked about earlier with the finishers, right? The, the cards that win you the game, the fast bob, usually with renown, the fast bobs or the queen's cards that let you do multiple challenges. But Emery, I think, is a great example of the other one, which is what I call the enabler, right? Where he does not win you the game. Like, he's not, you know, as a little body, right? He's not going to win you a challenge. He's not going to, to do a whole lot. But <clears throat> you have his trigger, and you kneel out your opponent, like you said. I mean, even if you don't have any other threatening, you know, scary things on the board, he can still win you a game by enabling everybody else to, to do their challenge. And so that's that's kind of, the, you know, I, I sort of put them in two different categories, but even though they're both ways of closing a game. Makes sense. And I think Imri especially, he's very versatile in that way, in that you don't even have to use him to close the game. You can use him to stop your opponent closing the game, or you can just use him, you know, for a, a small-scale efficiency in the middle of the game. Like, nothing, no part of his text says you gain power the mechanics of the game say that if you trigger him effectively you can leverage him to gain power oh yeah and it's interesting because i played Baratheon valyrian steel at a prime a couple of months ago and i kinged the swiss and two of the the five swiss games i won because i had him re-triggered him on the round that i won the game um and then in the top eight i played against a greyjoy player who had already played in the swiss and a big part of why they won the game is that they had out King of the Isles Balon and used him to take my Imri and used my Imri to close for them. Ah, interesting. Uh, I got the, the rare experience of my own Imri both winning me and costing me games in the same tournament. That is that is quite interesting. Yeah, and I think, uh, and like you said, I mean, I think that's part of what probably makes an enabler worth playing is that he is more versatile. Uh, because you know, if you have an enabler that doesn't actually win you the game on their own, you need to, you want to be able to include them in your deck, and maybe you you know, and not only want to see them at the very last turn. Um, and like you said, you know, Emery is somebody that you could use to stop your opponent or to you know. So he has several uses, even if you put him in the deck hoping that he will sort of enable you to finish. Yeah, he's an especially interesting card because it's almost sort of like the Game of Thrones equivalent of putting like a loaded gun on the table, right? Like <laughs> your opponent knows you're going to fire him at some point and it's you get to dictate exactly when that's going to happen and under what circumstances. And all your opponent can do is, you know, obviously unless they've got, you know, milk or cancel or whatever, all your opponent can do is try their best to mitigate the scenario where he does trigger. Indeed. Um, and also obviously... I like that you can build a Baratheon deck or a Banner Stag deck that is just doing whatever it wants. It can be, you know, a Neil deck. It can be a Dominance-based Clock deck. It can be an aggro deck from another faction that's just borrowing some Baratheon cards. It can be whatever you want. And then regardless, as long as it's not super-duper light on locations, you can just put in, even if it's just one copy, you can just put in Imri. And then sometimes he'll just pop up and win you the game from nowhere in a way that, a lot of other closers don't have that sort of that versatility in how they can be played. I guess the closest would probably be something like Doran's game, where regardless of what Martel deck you're playing, almost certainly you're going to be able to win an Intrigue by 5 strength at some point. Right. And, you know, whenever you do, if you have the Doran's game, you can trigger it, and that's nice. Whereas, for example, with Tawny for the King, you have to spend so much of your deck building 
basing it around the fact that you're running that plot. You can't just be like, uh, you know, I've got six plots. I guess I'll throw a tawny in. You know, you're you're saying, yeah. okay, well, I've got you know at least I know like say twelve knights. Now I can actually justify this plot. Yeah, certainly. Um, and so actually, so that's that's kind of an interesting way of getting into. So the, the other interesting thing I thought about is like what makes an interesting closing the game mechanic versus a, just a you know, annoying broken one. Um, and so the, the sort of the two, the two things I thought of were, first of all, it's dependent on some sort of setup, usually. Um, like we talked about with Turney, you know, you, you have to, you have to have the board or Emery, right? You have, he has to be on the board um, and you have to have location, you know, it, not that those are very difficult things, but there's some sort of setup involved. And then the, the second thing I have is a risk reward. I think most of the best, uh, and not best in terms of power, best in terms of most interesting finishers, uh, do have that risk reward. Well, you know, I know we talked about that with Turney, but even Emery, you know, if you if somehow you miscalculate, you don't close, you know, they jump something in and stop an unopposed challenge, well, now you've sacrificed your location base. And You're going to be very sad the next turn. <laughs> exactly. You know, and so there is some risk reward in that finisher, which I think is is interesting because it it makes you want to time it, time it well. Um, and obviously, you know, these are these are guidelines. Like Doran's game doesn't really have either of these necessarily, but I think it's still kind of interesting. First of all, because it's in a faction that doesn't really have many other closers. I mean, it does have the Viper, but I don't remember the last. Well, he's restricted, but I mean, again, I, he he hasn't been in a deck in a while, and and again, it's it's popular enough that sort of any time you sit down to play a Martel player, that card is in the back of your mind. And so you can play around it. And, and for whatever reason, at least for me, Doran's game doesn't necessarily feel, I don't know, like you always know the possibility and you're kind of playing around it. And it takes them, it takes them several turns to get to a position where that can win them a game. So it never feels like, oh, you just, you know, got off a lucky Doran's game and won. I, I mean, it kind of also goes back to what we were talking about in the last episode, in that it's sort of like a faction identity thing for Martel. Indeed. Like, you're not worried about the opponent suddenly being able to gain six power from one event out of Night's Watch or out of Lannister or out of Stark. It's Martel, where that's a thing you right. have to consider. Right. Yeah, and I think it works partly because Martel has not very much other power Agreed. I guess also with events, it's sort of it's super low risk reward, and it's not even really a risk as such. But the issue with playing those cards like Superior Claim, like Doran's game, is the opportunity cost, right? That you're using up a precious slot in your deck that does absolutely nothing until the point at which you're triggering it. And even then, it doesn't actually do anything until you reach 15 power. Yes. Like, you know, if, you, if you're if you at three power and your opponent's at 12 and you trigger your superior claim, your opponent's not going to care. Whereas if yeah. you're at 13 power and trigger superior claim, they're going to care quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, that is a good point. And, and in that, you know, cards that, finishing cards that only gain you power, like all the pretty much all the events, like you said, they, they, they only matter if you hit 15. You know, it, if you... Yeah, if you play a if you play a all manner of fools on turn two and get six power, you know your opponent's gonna kind of scratch their head a little bit and say okay. But if you if yeah if you hit that fifteen, and so that's that that's another way of of sort of keeping them in check, I guess, is that they don't do anything for you until you're ready to win the game. Those and I think that works best with those events. Yeah, I mean, 
tawny. It kind of has that, but it also has, I guess at the very least, it has that protective element of the fact that it gives your knights immunity to events. And also, crucially, again, sort of going back to what we were saying in the previous episode, the fact that it's a plot and on demand means when you're flipping it, it's because it's doing something that you actively want to do. Like I imagine most Rush players would very happily not, you know, have it guaranteed in some way that they don't draw a superior claim round one and maybe not even round two, in exchange for guaranteeing that they had one on round three. With Tawny for the King, when you're flipping it, it's because you've got knights and you think you can close. Yes, absolutely. Or it's plot seven, I guess. <laughs> yes, that is also... But yeah, no, I think that's a good point too, right? Yeah, that it's... it's As a plot, because it's on demand, that opportunity cost is lower because it's not going to be... Especially if you're playing a rush deck, <laughs> you know, you're usually trying to end the game by the fourth plot anyway, so it's not really a dead plot that's sitting there. And if it is, then things have probably not gone great for you anyway. Also, you get a lot of cards that sort of fall into that enabler category like you described with Imri, where it's not so much that they are specifically designed to do things that help you close, but they can be almost repurposed for that. Um, so I guess like King in the North would be a good example where it might be that you're, you you have the ability to close with what you already have, but you know that your opponent has triggered effects that can mess up your plan. Or with King in the North, now they can't mess up your plan and you can just close with your renowned bodies or whatever else it might happen to be. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point too, that uh, enablers can be generically... Well, I think that goes, again, that kind of goes back to your point with with Emery a little bit, right, that enablers, the best enablers, are useful in other games, and and sometimes you'll use them to close. Emery is maybe a little bit more on the, you generally want to use him to close, and sometimes you'll use him for something else, whereas King in the North is potentially on the other side of, you know, usually you're flipping it, uh, well, you can flip for all kinds of reasons, uh, but, you know, maybe usually you're using it to, to slow your opponent down, and sometimes you're flipping it just to make sure that you, you win. I think, do you think that's sort of a general good rule of thumb in the division that the enablers are th cards that have multiple purposes, whereas the more direct closers are almost always going to be things that say gain power on them in some way or another? Yeah, are I there, think that's a any, pretty good. Are there any cards that you think sort of skirt that line, or is that that what the divide is? No, I, th I mean I, I would say that's probably the divide. I think gaining power. Yeah, they're they're. I mean, I so the only the only things that I would say are are maybe finishers, quote unquote, that don't gain power directly, would be like an Azora High or a Queen's Guard. But even then, those are you know, if you want to call like Queen's Guard or Azora High your closer, it needs a body, and a lot of times that body gains power. So yeah, I guess in that case, um, it's it's a case of they aren't your closer, and the body isn't your closer, but the combination of the two of them is. Yes, I think that's probably a great way of, of thinking about it. You have to assemble, right? Well, that's why they call it Voltron. You have to assemble it. Makes a lot of sense, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any other aspects? I guess I briefly mentioned Mill more for the sake of pedantry than because it's actually relevant to the conversation. Indeed. Um, I guess with the latest restricted list, you know, touch wood, there isn't really any way of, you know, there isn't any you know, potent, prominent mill closer in the game. Right, I would agree. Which I'd say is probably for the best. 
Yes. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I don't have any other particular aspect I need to cover on this. Is there anything you want to bring up? No. Uh, no, I think we've covered it pretty well. Okay, uh, so thank you very much, Rabs, for asking the question. And thank you, Colin, for helping me answer it. Uh, and thank you to everyone for listening. And until next episode, we'll see you soon.